Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Crime Over Coffee. We're your hosts. I'm Abby. And I'm Erica. Today, we're going to be telling you guys about the murder of Brittany Drexel. So pour yourself some coffee and let's dive in. continue on with our content for this week's episode shortly but first we wanted to take a moment to let you know about an opportunity to listen to even more crime over coffee content by signing up for our patreon you can receive ad-free episodes and additional content to check out this opportunity and sign up for the crime over coffee patreon visit www.patreon.com slash crime over coffee pod thank you again for all of your support for those of you that have been listening to our podcast for a long time now You guys might recognize this episode as one that we have already done. We had previously covered this episode in 2021, I believe. However, there has been a lot of information that has recently come out about it that encouraged us to redo this episode in a more proper way. And we have also made the decision to take down our previous episode covering this case. Most of you guys might be familiar with this at the moment because it has been in the media a lot as there have been developments as recent as May of 2022. Brittany Marie Drexel was born on October 7th, 1991 in Rochester, New York. She was described by friends and family as a bright and spirited young woman with a heart of gold. Brittany had aspirations of modeling, becoming an OB nurse, getting married, and raising a family of her own. Brittany loved spending time with her family and playing soccer. She also enjoyed going shopping, going out with friends, and exploring new places. In April of 2009, 17-year-old Brittany asked her mom, Dawn, if she could go to Myrtle Beach with some of her friends for spring break. And her mom said, no, I don't really know these friends. I don't want you to go with them. Plus, there's no adult going to make sure that you guys will be safe. So Brittany and her mom kind of got into a big argument. And Brittany was like, well, can I at least go stay with my friend who also lives in Rochester? And her mom's like, yeah, that's fine. You can you can go stay with her. So she did. And Dawn reports that the main reason for this was they kind of needed to cool down after that argument. They had been fighting all day and Brittany just wasn't happy about her mom's decision to say no to the spring break trip. On April 22nd, 2009, Brittany decides that even though her mom told her she was not allowed to go to Myrtle Beach, she is going to go anyways. She hops in a vehicle with her friends and heads off to Myrtle Beach. A couple days later on April 25th, Brittany talks to her mom during the day And they're pretty much making up at this time. They're not mad at each other anymore. And Brittany tells her mom that she's hanging out at the beach. And Dawn didn't really think anything of it because she said it was a really hot day. And they called the lake the beach in that area. So she figured that's where she was. And so they said their I love yous and their goodbyes. And Brittany said, I'll see you tomorrow, mom. I would never be able to pull this off because I am such a terrible liar. My mom, I feel like, would know right away. Yeah, I don't know if her mom, it, she never said if she ever got the inkling that maybe Brittany wasn't being honest with her about her location at the time. But I think that oh, there's a lot of people that would 
definitely struggle with being able to get away with that. So later that night on April 25th, Brittany goes to meet a friend from her hometown and some of his buddies at the Blue Water Resort, which is only about a mile and a half away from where she's staying. Brittany had last spoke with the group she had originally gone to Myrtle Beach with around 8 o'clock that night. And around 8.45 is when she left the Blue Water Resort to head back to the hotel called Bar Harbor Motel, where she was staying with her friends. She had texted her boyfriend, John Greco at the time, and said, you know, this is kind of where we're going. She had just been updating him throughout most of the trip on what she was doing. That text around 8.45 that night is the last communication that anyone received from Brittany. John ended up getting concerned, obviously, because suddenly he's no longer hearing from his girlfriend and she's not responding to his messages. So he reaches out to the friends that he knew she'd gone on vacation with and says, have you guys heard from her? Like, what's going on? And they're like, we haven't heard from her since at least eight. And she's not at the hotel. And he wasn't down there, was he? No. He was still in Rochester, New York. Oh, right. Okay. So immediately, John is like, okay, something's wrong. I'm going to call her mom, Dawn. And so he does exactly that. And he calls her and says, listen, she's not in Rochester. She's actually in Myrtle Beach with her friends and they can't find her, which I can only imagine what kind of thoughts feelings were going through dawn at that moment when she found out that her daughter had not only lied to her about her location but was also now missing very quickly dawn and Brittany's dad chad start calling and texting Brittany, trying to get a hold of her she's not answering the phone she's not responding to the messages and their concern is just growing So Dawn calls the Rochester police and says, like, what do I do? Give me some sort of advice. And by the next day, she had called the Myrtle Beach Police Department around 5 a.m. And by 6.30 a.m. on April 26th, Brittany Drexel was entered into the National Crime Information Center as missing. It's always a nice contradiction to so many cases recover when the police officers or authorities actually immediately look into somebody as a missing person and don't give the whole like oh we have to wait or they ran away or x y and z it's very refreshing that they were so quick on it they yeah immediately entered it as a missing person but they still at this time were not sure if foul play was involved or if she had ran away however they were willing to treat this as an active missing person case that needed to be looked into When investigators start looking into Brittany's cell phone, they find that around midnight, her phone was pinging off of a tower near the South Santee River between McClellanville and Georgetown. Like I said, police at this time are still leaving the option open that she potentially left on her own accord. So they know where her cell phone last was, but they don't know if that was because somebody had taken her or she had left on her own. They do start investigating, though, and they talk to... The five friends that Brittany had been hanging out with at the Blue Water Resort that night. And they asked, like, how long was she here? What happened? And they said that she was only there for about 10 minutes. And then she left to return some clothing to another friend. The group of friends that she'd been hanging out with had actually checked out between 1 and 2 o'clock in the morning that night and headed back to Rochester. So that pretty much ruled out that group of friends from the Blue Water Resort. Brittany's mom, Dawn, always felt that her daughter would not have ran away. 
She mainly mentioned that Brittany had left all of her luggage and everything behind, which doesn't really point to a runaway. I mean, when you think of like a runaway or a person who's running away, especially if they're like a kid, it's not really when they're like, things are going super well. They're down have, like on vacation with their friends. They've got a steady boyfriend. So, I mean, I think that's probably a very fair assumption. And while I think there's probably special cases, I'm sure parents at least have some inclination of whether or not there was any reason for that to occur. I would agree. Um, I am glad you worded that the way you did, though, because something I hadn't mentioned yet is Brittany was actually struggling with depression really bad at this time. And she had just recently started taking some antidepressants. Her mom and dad had decided to get a divorce and she had taken that really hard and ended up having to be put on medication to try to help with that. So there were concerns that potentially she could have decided to take her own life or harm herself. And that could have been where she was. So police were keeping that in the back of their mind. As I mentioned previously, Dawn and Chad had gone to Myrtle Beach to start looking for her. They started passing out missing flyers. Brittany's boyfriend, John, also goes to Myrtle Beach to try to find her with her parents. A little bit of information about John. So they had been dating off and on for two and a half years at this point, And he was determined to find her. John fully believed the same as Brittany's mom and dad did, that she had not ran away or left on her own accord and that something more sinister had happened to her. On May 5th of 2009, police decide that they should release some surveillance images of her entering and leaving the Blue Water Resort on that night because they hadn't really received any tips from anybody yet and it didn't seem like it was getting enough attention. So in this, you can see her walk in and walk out wearing black shorts, a printed tank top, and silver flip-flops with a purse over her shoulder. Her boyfriend, John, did speculate at one point that it's possible that Brittany had been walking back to the hotel and somebody had offered her a ride and she decided to accept it. And it may not have been from a very trusting person, obviously. In April of 2010, so about a year after she goes missing, police tell local news that they had identified a few persons of interest and a location that they wanted to check in further. They said that a lot of this stemmed from a tip that they had received in December of 2009. And that's what it had kind of pointed them in this direction. So even though they kind of had a direction to go in 2010, there were no arrests or charges at this time. And it was many years later that the case was officially declared a homicide investigation. On June 8, 2016, the FBI did announce that they believed Brittany had been held against her will and killed. So that was their official announcement that it was becoming a homicide investigation. It feels a little late in the game to me. I completely agree. I don't know why it took them like six years to determine that, but... I, I don't know if they were just kind of waiting. I mean, they were still investigating it, so I can't be too mad. It just wasn't officially declared a homicide investigation. I wonder if some places or some jurisdictions have like a time frame for that kind of thing. They might, without having evidence of a body or remains. Mm -hmm. Because unless there's like a, maybe a time frame or if something else came up that they didn't release to the public, that maybe 
push them into making that decision or that claim. It just seems like an odd amount of time for that to happen. I completely agree with that statement. I have no idea. I do know some information did come out between those years, and I'll talk about that later. But it wasn't extremely close to 2016. It was actually a little couple years before that that information came out. However, in 2016, an inmate did come forward with the name of someone they believed had killed Brittany. This is one of the big reasons we are covering this case. There was a lot of people who fully believed that the name the inmate had given was probably the person that had killed Brittany and was one of the only names really tied to this case in the news and in many people's conversations. And this is the person that we had focused on a lot in our last episode, but he was never arrested or charged due to lack of evidence. But it wasn't until May of 2022 when his name was officially cleared with having any connection to this case. So we do want to take a quick moment. This name's man is Timothy Deshaun Taylor. We do want to send out a quick apology to anybody that may have been upset by us discussing him in our last episode. Timothy at the time had been facing charges for an unrelated robbery in this similar area. And there were... And that was the main reason that the inmate had kind of brought his name into the case. However, there was no specific evidence that connected him to it other than the fact that he was in that area. And as he's been cleared, we decided that we wanted to take down our last episode where we mentioned any chance of him being involved. And so we just wanted to apologize in case it offended anybody that we had previously talked about him as a person of interest previously. Law enforcement held a press conference in May of 2022, stating that they were first led to a spot to investigate on May 4th, where they did end up finding remains of a human that were then excavated on May 7th. And on May 11th, the remains were positively identified through dental records and DNA testing and were connected to Brittany Drexel. They officially announced this on May 16th, 2022. And at this time, they also charged 62-year-old Raymond Douglas Moody for the murder of Brittany. The warrant that police had sent out when they arrested him stated that he caused her death by manual strangulation on the night of April 25th. And he was already being held in jail due to an obstruction of justice charge. So they just left him there and changed it from $100,000 bail to no bail. Police do believe that Moody picked Brittany up somewhere near the main strip in Myrtle Beach and then held her for a short period of time before killing her. How did they connect him to it? Was it DNA? So it doesn't sound like it was DNA. There's still a lot kind of coming out about this because we're recording this not even a full month after they announced the fact that they were charging him. But he was on the South Carolina State Law Enforcement Division Sex Offender Registry. And this was due to a case in 1983 in California where he had kidnapped, raped, and done horrifying things to a 14-year-old. He did end up letting the girl go or she escaped. I I didn't find, I guess, that. But he did spend time in prison, been about 20 and a half years in prison. And was released in 2004 after he'd served about half of his 40-year sentence. 
After he was released, he moved to South Carolina. He was on the sex offender registry, like I'd said. His parole ended in 2007, and he did end up getting a citation for failing to register on the sex offender registry website in South Carolina. So there were a couple things kind of already against him. He already had the history, and police actually announced that he had become a person of interest in February of 2012. So at the time... He was also a person of interest in a missing persons case of Crystal Souls, a girl who had gone missing in 2005, and he was refusing to cooperate. So they started looking into it more, and they did search a motel room of his in Georgetown that he had been staying at during Brittany's disappearance. I don't know exactly what it was that interested them in him, but when they started looking and they started asking him, he denied that he was even in the area at this time, even though he had a hotel room there. However, when they started looking, they realized that he had been issued a traffic ticket, a traffic ticket in that area about eight miles away on April 26th. And it put him there at the right in the right place at the right time. So like I said, this is still kind of all unfolding. So it's the trial hasn't begun yet. There's no date on when the trial is going to begin. As we know, they move pretty slowly. So I'm going to say we've got a, at least about a year probably before we're going to see a trial start. And then however long that's going to take. The family is holding a, or I guess it will be, was held a ceremony on June 11th, 2022 to celebrate Britney's life. It is open to the public. However, at the time of this release, it is already going to have passed. There is a link that we'll post in our show notes where you can go and you can donate to their memorial fund. It's www.givesendgo.com slash Britney Drexel Memorial Fund. But like I said, you can also find that in our show notes. When the police had their press conference announcing that they had officially arrested Moody for the murder of Britney, her mom wanted to also make a statement during that. And so during that, Dawn said, quote, This is truly a mother's worst nightmare. I am mourning my beautiful daughter today, as I have been for 13 years. But today, it's bittersweet. We are much closer to the closure and the peace that we have been desperately hoping for. I am slowly processing everything that has come to light. I have not hidden from commenting or discussing Brittany's case publicly. Today marks the beginning of a new chapter. The search for Brittany is now a pursuit for Brittany's justice. End quote. Thanks to listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. All of our sources can be found in the show notes for each episode. If you would like, you can support us by going to anchor.fm slash crimeovercoffee. You can also support us by recommending us to friends and family, giving us a good review on Apple Podcasts, or subscribing to us on your favorite podcast listening platform. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.